We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from the cool climbs of uh, Northfield, Minnesota. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis, where it's not quite as cool though, John. Uh, it's it's rough out there. So what is, what is the temperature? At least when we're recording this, who knows what it'll be when this show actually airs. But what is it down there in St. Louis in July? Today, I think we're going to reach uh, 95, and it's, you know, 110% humidity as usual. So it's, oh, it's pretty rough, John. Be glad you're in Minnesota. <laughs> well, I tell you what I am, because right now it's 71 degrees, Matt. Oh, <laughs> don't rub it in. Oh, my goodness. You know, we've had these pop-up showers, you know, occasionally this summer, too. It's like we're in Florida or something. These Floridian downpours just in the middle of the afternoon. They come out of nowhere, and that doesn't help with humidity. And then you're wearing these masks, and if you have glasses on, they're already fogging up because of your mask. And now you go outside, and they're fogging up because of the humidity. So I really haven't seen where I've been going for the past three weeks or so. Well, that explains why people tell you, tell me you've been wandering into trees and stuff <laughs> like that, man. So, uh, uh, well, you know, it, it is it is beautiful up here in, in Northfield. Uh, and and I, I was trying to get away from being a grumbler and a complainer, but I, I do have one more thing I need to complain about. Last time it was the mosquitoes up here because, uh, you know, unfortunately the cool temperature doesn't stop the mosquitoes from breeding. Uh, but now I have yet another problem. If I, and, and Matt, tell, tell people, I'm not generally, I, I'm a pretty easygoing guy, right? I'm, I'm a pretty tolerant person, right? Well, well, your name is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski. So yes, uh, usually pretty jolly, easygoing, happy-go-lucky, smile-on-your-face kind of guy. So I just want people to know that, that I'm not ordinarily doing things like this, but, but right now I want to say something to all of the, the Canadian geese that might be listening. <laughs> Although, although actually they're Canada geese, but they're not Canadian geese. Pat, my my wife told me, and I've learned not to argue with Lynn because whatever Lynn says, she's right, and you can check it out. There is no such thing as Canadian geese; they are Canada geese. I had a feeling but, that came from Lynn. That, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, she's set me straight on that right away. But Canadian or Canada geese, I, I, go back to where you belong, would you? <laughs> okay. I mean, the border's closed. I can't get into Canada. <laughs> what right do you think you have to come down here in the United States? Do you have any idea why I think the Canada geese should go back to Canada, Matt? Why is that, John? <laughs> well, you see, we have these beautiful, beautiful walking, biking paths in, in uh, Northfield, that they weave through the woods, they weave through marshlands, they weave through these, because the, we're the land of 10,000 lakes. So obviously they're also weaving through the manyest lakes around here. And, and, and I don't know what the problem is with you geese. We, we've got thousands of acres of Greenland. We have, for Pete's sake, 10,000 lakes. Why do you have to poop on the paths? 
I, I, I knew where this was going. <laughs> you knew it, didn't you? Because it's not just Northfield. It's the same thing in St. Louis, isn't it, Matt? Oh, yeah, we've got, the, yeah, I know. Our uh, our daughter would always yell, goose poop. That's <laughs> 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 the same thing. I can only imagine how much worse it must be up up further north. But, yeah, in St. Louis, we've got the humidity, the heat, and the goose poop. <laughs> So, I, again, I don't know what their problem is. There's plenty of places for them to poop up here, but for some reason they always want to poop on the trail. This is a true story. We'll finish this up. The Kansas City Zoo. The Kansas City Zoo got so bad with geese and their accompanying excrement that they actually hired people to come in and, and, and to gather up the geese, they put their little geese handcuffs on them. And I'm not sure where you put handcuffs on a geese, but whatever. They they arrested them, and they took them out to this nice little marsh area out in the middle of rural Missouri, you know, where they should be happy. And all those stupid geese flew back. They flew back to the zoo. So Can you believe uh, that? Oh. I'm telling you, uh, Biden, Trump, I don't care, Republican, Democrat, you got to do something about these Canadian geese. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, build All a right. wall, John. That'll solve it. That'll keep on <laughs> well, I don't know. Can you build a wall <laughs> high enough to keep the geese from coming in? But it, it and it just, I, it, it, oh, I don't know. I've, I've said enough. But yeah, we're out there. We're biking. We're just having the best of time. And all of a sudden, the entire trail is, and, and there's no getting around it. Tell your daughter up here. It doesn't matter to warn you because it covers the whole thing. Uh, so, well, all right, I, back to something more serious, Matt, but I just I had to get that off my chest. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. We're here for um, you, Pastor Jolly John. And at least we've helped people understand they're not Canadian geese. They're Canada geese. Yeah, that's right. Okay. If nothing else is learned on this episode, at least we have that. <laughs> that's right. And, Haven't you spent your whole life calling Canadian geese? Of course. Yeah, like everyone right, does, well, I think, but not Canada geese. Not, not not true. Check it out. Um, so I want to do a little potpourri today, if I could. I want to pick up something from our last episode. I've got a couple other things to share. Some one from Doug Nicely. You remember Doug Nicely? Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. To be a yeah. frequent guest on KFU. But let's start with with uh, going back to last last week. John, did, um, John, did we say what the show is yet? Oh, I don't think we have. People probably <laughs> guessed by now after the, the goose conversation. <laughs> That's right. If you turn on KFU and you start hearing people talking about goose poop, you know it must be wrestling, wrestling with, the, with basics. the basics. Thank you, Matt. Um, so, so I just felt bad because I didn't really feel like I got a, a, enough time to summarize the point I wanted to make from last week's lessons. Okay, sure. um, so last week we had the story of David. Uh, and, and of course, David sins. He commits murder and adultery. Uh, and as a consequence to that, he's punished. He's punished by God. His child with the adulteress Bathsheba, uh, he's told that that child is going to die. Uh, and then I shared a story with people that, that I, I don't think people really are familiar with, with Jeroboam, who was the uh, king over Israel after the civil war that divided the nation into Judah and Israel. And it's interesting because it's the same story. Uh, he also sins. Uh, it's not murder and adultery. It's actually worse. It's idolatry. He, he permits the worship of idols in his uh, uh, kingdom. In fact, promotes the worship of idols. Didn't didn't he set up a couple as golden calves? Didn't he do that? Isn't that Jeroboam, Matt? Do you remember? Yeah, the different places of worship, you know, besides the temple, you know, that he set up. Yeah. 
where people would go to to worship, you know, someone other than the Lord. Yeah. And, and so he too has the same punishment. Their child uh, is uh, going to die. Uh, but even though the results are the same, uh, the punishment is the same, in both cases, the child does die. I wanted to remind people that the stories are totally different. And, and so here's the differences. But when, when David is confronted with his sin, what does he do, Matt? Well, he repents of it. Um, you know, right away after after the prophet comes, he he, he repents of it, and then forgiveness is extended. And and what about Jeroboam? And and, and Jeroboam's wife is also involved in this story. Uh, no repentance at all, right? No. There, there's no indication at all that they are that they say, okay, we're going to be different. We're going to stop this idol worship. No, there's no repentance at all. In, in fact, what I think is interesting, uh, uh, they they try to hide the whole thing. Uh, you know, Jeroboam sends his wife to go visit with the prophet of the Lord, and she's going to pretend that, oh, I, I don't, I'm not the king's wife. We're just wondering, you know, I've just stopped by to ask. <laughs> and of course, the prophet sees through all of this. So so that that's the number one thing, no, no repentance at all. The thing that I think is remarkable in the story of David, uh, and I don't know if people reflect on this or not. So, you know, the, the prophet says, well, your son's going to die. And yet, what does David immediately do for that son? Do you remember that part of the story, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Well, he prays on, on behalf of that child um, before it comes to pass, thinking that God will, maybe God will have mercy. Yeah, so here's the verse. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. Now, now that, to me, is a remarkable uh, example of faith that if God would even come to you and say, nope, nope, you're going to be punished. You know why you're going to get punished. Here's the consequence of your sin. And yet to turn to the Lord and pray that the Lord would repent of his own actions and that the Lord might deal with us in mercy. Um, and if you think about it, Matt, that's literally what we do every day because I, I know I'm going to die. I know why I'm going to die because I'm a sinner. And yet there's not a day that goes by that I don't pray, Lord, give me another day to be here, to love and to care and to, to work for you, uh, to continue to bless me, even though I know I don't, don't deserve any blessings. But, but again, we see none of that in the case of Jeroboam and his wife. No turning to the Lord, no prayer at all, which to me I think is a a big indication that there is no faith, right? Because the only reason people truly pray is because they believe. They believe that God uh, will treat us with hased, with steadfast love. Um, and then finally, the third thing that, that is so striking. Um, oh, oh, by the way, before I get into that, what, what's David's response when the child does die? Do you remember that part of the story, Matt? Yeah, so he's he's <laughs> he's praying, like you said, before the Lord, and he's uh, really in, in in fasting and mourning, and uh, ha hasn't washed for a while. And then when the child does die, they're afraid to even come in and tell David because they think, well, what is he going to do now? He's really going to flip out. Uh, but David, no, he gets up, he washes, he eats, he gets dressed again, and uh, people are confused by that. And yet David seems to have this confidence that, uh, and has that line that. Well, now I'll, I'll go to him, you know, something along those lines. And it seems as though David has this confidence that this child is in the gracious hands of, of his heavenly father now and commits that child into the Lord's care. And, and Matt, oh man, the, the, the spirit moved you when you said that this child was still in the hands of a gracious Lord, because we're going to get to that in just a second. 
Let me just emphasize it again. Yeah, that the child was in the hands of a gracious Lord. Here's the verse you're referring to, uh, Matt. David says, but now he, the child, is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Uh, and, and I guess that could be interpreted cynically, that David is simply saying, well, I'm going to die just like my child died. But I, I like your take on it. No, I think he's saying, I, I know where my child is at. He's in the gracious hands of the Lord. And someday I'm going to go to him and I'll be in those gracious hands as well. Um, however, in, in the case of Jeroboam and his wife, the, the, there's none of that. There's no repentance. There's no faith. And and here's the verse that struck me as interesting, too, going back to the story of David. So after the verse I just read to you, it then says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her, and she bore him a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. Uh, and I, I, I think the third thing is that in David you have repentance, you have faith, and then you have the fruit of faith, which is love. He showed compassion and concern for his wife. Um, but, you know, there's none of that again in the story of Jeroboam. The, the thing about the story of Jeroboam that really strikes me is, you know, the prophet of God says to Jeroboam's wife, uh, the prophet says, as soon as you return home, the child would die. Well, if I were the mother there, what, 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 well, I'll put it on you, Matt. If you were the mother, if God came to you and said, when you go home, your children will die, what, what would you do? Go on vacation to uh, <laughs> someplace that's COVID-free and <laughs> and not go home for a while. <laughs> that was my thought exactly. <laughs> what, what wouldn't you just avoid going home yeah. at all? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. maybe it seems like you're playing a trick on go, but I don't think I think it's God saying, "I'll give you an opportunity. It's in your hands." But of course, what does Jeroboam's wife does? She goes home. Yeah, immediately. She yeah. immediately returns home, and then is surprised that the child died. Um, so, so that's, that's, those are the three things I wanted to emphasize that, that that's the difference in the stories, even though the end is the same, even though there's God's punishment, even though the child dies, the, the, uh, differences in, in David's case, there was repentance, there was faith and there was love. But now here's the thing, man, I'm glad you brought up that business about in the gracious hands of the Lord. I want to go to first Kings 14 because I had not noticed this detail before. Uh, oh, man, I got to find it real quick here, Matt. Uh, it's 1 Kings 14. Uh, okay. You got it, John? Yeah, verse 12. Okay. Verse 12. Um, so arise, therefore, go to your house. When your feet enter the city, the child shall die. So that's what we're saying. All she needed to do is just say, okay, I'll make the sacrifice. I won't return home to my family so that my son may live. But she makes no sacrifice. But here's the verse I think that's interesting. Um, and all Israel shall mourn for the child and bury him. For he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave. Because in him there is found something pleasing to the Lord, the God of Israel, and the house of Jeroboam. So Matt, it's truly, I think the Spirit inspired you to, to speak of David's belief that his child, even though he died, was still in the gracious care uh, of the Lord. And that's affirmed here of Jeroboam's son, even. Uh, even though Jeroboam was a sinner, uh, his mother was a sinner. And yet uh, it says there, again, that the Lord found something pleasing in this little child. Even though the child was going to die, um, that child still was in the Lord's gracious care. And in the case of uh, Jeroboam, that's actually a blessing uh, 
that the child dies because what's going to happen to the rest of Jeroboam's children, you wouldn't want to happen to a dog. Because <laughs> yeah. um, so, if you know the story, then there's a man that betrays Jeroboam and the man goes about and kills, kills all of Jeroboam's descendants. And I'm sure he does not do so uh, with any kind of ease. Uh, I'm sure he does it as bloody and as, as mercilessly as, as he can. All right. Uh, any any comments you want to make about those two stories, Matt? Yeah, I just when when you set up that contrast, you know, these two sins that take place, uh, yeah. grievous sins in God's eyes, certainly. But then the way in which uh, both uh, Dave and Jeroboam, you know, deal with that uh, one in repentance and one certainly not in repentance. I can't help but think of um, of Jesus uh and his betrayal and uh, you know i can't that parallel of peter and his denial and judas and his betrayal of jesus i mean both of those you know grievous sins right uh but then the way in which they deal with that sin much different peter with a repentance uh and judas certainly as far as we can tell an unrepentance and even taking his own life uh and then the way in which god then uh, and Jesus restores Peter and uh, lifts him up and still works through Peter, accomplished great things, just like he worked through David and certainly David's offspring then, uh, Solomon and his descendants, uh, to do great things too. But I, I don't know, I just, that, that's the parallel that came into my mind was uh, that of uh, Peter and, and Judas, where we see something very similar taking place. And and that's again, and, and and it's the whole pattern of the Bible. Oh, yeah. Look, people, everybody's going to sin. You, you you cannot expect that you will not sin, but but what you do after you sin—that's the crucial thing. Like you said, you you can become hardened. You can keep that sin to yourself. You can hide that sin, and, and that will only bring bad results for you and for everyone around you. But 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 where there is repentance and where there is faith that God loves sinners, that you know we had that story of Zacchaeus. That's what I've come for is for sinners he says. And then you get this beautiful fruit of love that flows from that as well. Because uh, I am convinced that, that, that if you're having trouble loving somebody, it's probably a faith issue, people. And, and you just need some repentance. And then again, some really good gospel about how God loves and cares for you and this other person you're having difficulty with. Um, so here's the second thing though I wanted to share as we do this kind of potpourri episode. Yeah. And this comes, as I said, from Doug Nicely. You got those materials in front yeah, of you, sure do. Matt? Uh, if, if you wouldn't mind reading the passage from Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 19, you've got that, don't you? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, let's see here. Romans chapter We're just going to read the first part of it at this point, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Okay. So I, I've always thought this phrase was strange, so that every mouth... Uh, may be stopped. <laughs> that just seemed strange, unusual. Uh, and yet Duck points out that if we know the culture of the time, that phrase makes perfect sense. Because apparently this was kind of a legal uh, a protocol uh, in, in those days uh, that, of course, if you were accused of something, you had a right to get up and, and to speak in your defense. And, and when you were finally done with giving your defense, you would put your hand over your mouth. So as to say, I, I'm done. I, I, I'm stopped. I've given you everything that I have to say uh, in, in my defense. 
And, and uh, Doug points out that sometimes if the court thought you were just going on and on and you were saying nothing of significance or important, the court would literally stop your mouth. <laughs> okay. Not a bad in, in fact, In fact, Matt, can, can you think of a couple of instances in the Bible where that, and I never drew the connection of these stories with this passage about Paul, about uh, every mouth maybe stop. But you, you know two stories, don't you, Matt, where that literally happened, where the, the official authorities tried to stop of the mouth of the defendant. Uh, Can you think? In the Bible, you mean? Yeah, in the Bible, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know like with Jesus himself, you know, as he's speaking, especially in front of the uh, the, the chief priests, you know, they, they slap him, you know, to try to because in response to what he said. Uh, that's okay. one example that comes to mind. So, so that, yeah, that's the example that came to my mind right away too, uh, uh, where they strike him as he's answering the high priest. There's another story though that that uh, uh, I had not thought of, but uh, that uh, Pastor nicely brings out from the Book of Acts. That you, are you familiar with that story at all, Matt? Well, let's see here. Uh, uh, oh, with well, I, I'm looking at your notes here, John. I'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I know. I, so, Paul, yeah, Acts chapter 23 is that what you're talking about? I think that's the one I'm talking okay, about. All right. All right. <laughs> So you want to just read those verses? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet, contrary to the law, you, you order me to be struck. Right. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Nicely, uh, for those biblical references. And, and yeah, so it makes perfect sense. That's what happens. Uh, the authority comes and they stop your mouth because nothing you can say is going to get you off. And nothing you can say to defend yourself from the sin you've committed. Uh, and, and that's exactly what the law does. Uh, every time we try to make an excuse, Every time we try to justify what we've done wrong, the law comes and says, nope, nope, it's just a sin. That's all there is to it. You cannot excuse yourself. I'm sure Jeroboam would have said, well, hey, I was just trying to keep my kingdom in order, right? I didn't want people to go back down south to Jerusalem and Judah to worship. That's why I built the temples and the false idols up here. Uh, but again, no, no, every mouth is stopped by the law. But here's, here's the thing. You got to read on in the book of Romans. Because uh, that in itself is important for us to know so that we will repent like David did. But it's not enough to know. You want to finish that passage in Romans three nineteen through 22? Yeah. In fact, why don't you do the whole thing starting at 19? Okay. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Yeah, so there's that, that beautiful teaching about, oh, here's the answer. <clears throat> it's not in your works. 
It's not in your excuses. It's not in your justifications. There is only one answer, and that is Jesus Christ. And and then Doug provided us with another nice passage, too, from 1 John 2, verses 1 to 2. Did you see that on the yeah. notes? There? Yeah. Well, John writes, my little children, yeah. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So there you go, people. That's why Paul says Jesus is the source of our righteousness, because he's our advocate. He's our propitiation. He's the one that speaks up for us with words that will not be stopped. See, that's what I think is cool. Our excuses will be stopped, but not so for Jesus Christ. His Father hears his words, and on the basis of his words, he's willing to love and forgive every one of us, even though we've sinned. Uh, well, all right, that was my potpourri. What are we going to talk about next week, Matt? Well, we've got more fun with the weeping prophet, John, uh, Jeremiah. So I thought we could talk <laughs> a little more about Jeremiah. We've we've kind of uh, touched on things here and there the past couple weeks, but uh, let's continue with another maybe head scratcher in that longest book of the Bible, uh, the book of Jeremiah. All right, so we are glad you're all able to be with us here. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. basics.